This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. I'm going to have a great conversation today. I know it because I'm sitting with someone who every time we sit together, we have a great conversation. Lauren Taus, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Every time we meet, you are writing something of gratitude almost every time. And I admire that. Gra- I mean, gratitude for me is totally a practice and it's a lifestyle also. It's a way of looking at the world and being in the world. And I also see it as the heart of prayer. I love that. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Cool. Well, you are a therapist. You are somebody who generally uses all of your talents, like your yoga ability to uh, influence people and uplift their spirit. And then you teach gratitude with almost all of your practice, because every time I see you post something about what you're doing, it's always filled with the appreciation for what's happening and sort of like using, I call it using praise properly. You know, like when you tell somebody they're doing great, it doesn't always work. But when you tell them like, oh, appreciate where you're holding all of a sudden, and they feel so worthy. So I love that practice that you have. Tell me, how'd you get so into gratitude? How'd you get this into it? Because it's fascinating. Thank you. It's been a practice of mine, an actual lived daily practice for over 10 years. And to be honest, I came into it from not the friendliest place. And by that, I mean, I was really depressed. Mm. And I was struggling The world can be a very challenging place. Uh, We all contend with with darkness and shadow work. That's something I'm not afraid of. And at the same time, I know that like I can get hijacked by my limbic system and operate in a space of like fight, flight, freeze if I don't work together and grow the good and to disrupt the like kind of animal process with consciousness. And I started like writing down the things that I was grateful for every day, and it's it's kind of basic. It's not it's not some uh, rocket science or anything. I I just wrote down like I'm grateful for the sweet breeze on my skin. I, I I'm grateful for the sound of a child laughing. I'm grateful for living in proximity to the ocean. I'm you know whatever was present to me, and in. The, the act of writing, I felt my spirit lift. I felt a softening. I felt myself as part of the flow of life and was able to kind of create more ease for myself and create more light and joy in my life such that I was able to then bring that into my work more powerfully, more authentically, and it worked. That's beautiful. I, I would I would say that if every day you were working on it, I would probably day one you weren't feeling the the breeze on your skin, but it probably took a few days. But eventually, if every day you're really authentically looking for gratitude as a practice, you're going to start thinking about the little things, not only the weather and what you have and what you don't have and what proximity and friendships, just presence. The yes. key word to me, presence. People talk about manifesting their desires today, and I thought a lot about, well, what is manifestation really? Are we just going to use this word until we tire it out? And then then what are we going to use to make things appear? And I realized that manifestation is really presence. It's like being, being, feeling something, the presence of something, and being present and bringing them together. And gratitude is ultimately the tool of manifestation. It's the greatest tool because when you you take the time to think about the things happening to you, you become present. And when you're present, you start manifesting the things that may have not been ready to vesselize and like become from light to energy and that one you can tap into and hold on to. So I'm curious over these years, what has really like developed for you with this gratitude practice that's not only kept you doing it, but that you share with others? Like where did, where's that from personal to like how you um, personify it publicly, the gratitude idea? Mm. Well, you've been using the word presence. For me, gratitude is definitely a mindfulness practice. And we human beings get very fixated on past experience or anticipation of future events. And in those two places, we lose sight of what's right in front of us. 
and the beauty that's here and the love and the magic, which by the way, can also involve sadness. Like I've, I've been grateful for my tears. Mm. I've been grateful for my ability to feel at all. And it's not always like I, you know, gratitude as a practice isn't some sort of passage that precludes pain, right? Like it includes pain. It's like, in being mindful in such a way that I'm looking for the good, I'm able to contextualize my experience, to, to witness my experience, to be where I am with the people that I'm with in, in a way that's more satisfying. And, you know, I, I really believe that the, the real antidote is connection. Mm. So, like, gratitude helps me to connect. Well, you're you're also really working on like gratitude not being this just this euphoric experience of like oh everything's great I appreciate whatever I have you're trying to make it really grounded and grounded is each feeling you have as well I think that's very um, spiritually nuanced to really see each element happening in your life even the sad things or the tragedies quote as in them in 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 a vacuum they're super challenging but in the bigger narrative you can grow from each experience you could be you can get deeper. You can really open up channels within yourself from sadness. It's not sadness as much as it is like feeling loss and feeling pain and now being open to those feelings instead of being cut off all the time. Well, when we cut them off, we also ensure that they will continue. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can't complete something without experiencing it. So these efforts to sort of live life in happiness... Right. It's impossible. Like you're not going to be happy if you're if you can't play the emotional keyboard. Like H the letter H happiness doesn't spell a sentence. You have to be fluid and and open to see the, the lessons everywhere. You know, I I've, I've been through some pretty tragic things that you know at, at my age I've I've buried a sister, I've buried my mother. Wow. I've I've been, you know, witness to a, a lot of pain and suffering. And if I didn't have the wherewithal to learn from these these moments, I wouldn't be able to connect as deeply with others who are experiencing life. Wow. That's so beautiful. I'm grateful to connect on a deep level with people in a real way. So now I'm hearing really where gratitude took you. It took you all the way to this human connection that really has developed and it's clear you're a human connector. Mm-hmm. I, I love all the things you do and showcase uh, almost once a week, at least if not more, I see you posting about buying random people coffee and propagating, you know, good vibes. And, and I know that's from a gratitude practice. Ancient Judaism was all about gratitude, all about it. It was like, you may have even called the whole religion one of gratitude. People would go to the temple. So every type of person, every type of personality, and there were 15 steps to get up to the main gate, and they were called the 15 levels of gratitude. And they each step had another name of gratitude. Wow. And the Levites were out there, and based on what mood you were in, they would play music to elevate that mood from sadness to like, like you were talking about, so it should be deep and real, and gladness, so it should continue and grow. But it was all in the process of gratitude. It was called the 15 steps, the 15 levels of gratitude. So today they often mistake it and call it praise. But praise in Judaism is related to gratitude because praise is really like bringing a divine presence to reality. And not like some divinity that's beyond your reach, just like that there's energy and spirituality and there's otherness within the world that you live in that you need to tap into to really connect to the presence of mind of what you need to be to be fulfilled in life and to maximize your potential, etc. And it all comes through these concepts of praise. And in Judaism, it's not praise the Lord, it's praise the concept of the Lord being manifest or praise great energy being manifest. So like if you if you praise somebody, you're bringing presence to the good things that they do. So I look at gratitude as this all-encompassing lifestyle to have this personal, you know, vestige of what I want and what I want for others and I want the best for others and for myself. That's the type of life I want to live. And the only way to be consistent with that is gratitude is keeping this present. So I I want you to tell me what type of practices I could do. I don't have the 15 steps to climb to the temple, but you know, you have all these practices you do to make sure you do it every day. What would be some good practices to uh, do for gratitude? 
I just want to pause and also note that gratitude disrupts fear Mm. and allows the pathway to right action more clearly. You know, so if you're if you're not operating from from fear, then for me it's love Mm. and it's gratitude and it's connection and it's right action and it's like a lot easier to access. I I personally wasn't programmed on planet Earth in such a way that gratitude was just obvious. So I I learned certain habits and and practices, which I'll share, that have allowed me to access this sort of way of being with greater ease. As As a simple thing, it's literally writing down every day what I'm grateful for. And I've been bringing that one back a bit more lately, but there was a period of, it must have been 10 years, where it was very, very diligent, very committed, very regular. Like I wrote what I was grateful for, and I know that it changed my brain. And, you know, old habits die hard. So when I've noticed my mind in certain like grooves that are, are less friendly, I, I get to come back to, um, to the committed practice. I, I, I like to say that you can't stay clean on yesterday's shower. You know, we, we have to be in practice. Uh, we are what we practice every day. And writing the good down gets me into that stream of positivity, gets me into that stream of goodness. And like I said, it doesn't mean that it's all positive, right? I'm, I am grateful to feel. I am grateful for heartbreak. It opens me. It creates deeper like empathy. I am I'm grateful. Uh, you mentioned my, my ritual of treating strangers to coffee. Yes. I... I do that and, and I, you know, I'll, I'll treat very clearly privileged people in the West Village of New York or in Beverly Hills just as easily as I'll, I'll treat a homeless person, you know, on Venice Beach. And the reason that I have this practice is really for me, to be honest. And I'll tell you, everyone... The key word is the stranger, anybody. Yeah. And, and it gets me out of my illusion of separation. And it disarms me in such a way that I'm then present to who's in front of me. I, I think we are all walking around and not conscious of who's around us. Like, we don't look at each other. It would be so amazing for this like Thanksgiving coming up and everybody's traveling all over the world. Like make a commitment to like buy people water or coffee, like you know, once a day. I don't know. You're while you're on the road. I love that for like um, at your high level stuff. You're doing that wherever you are. Like mm-hmm. just imagine on the road. Everybody talks about you know like a carbon footprint and what are we doing. I'm like just imagine you made a positive footprint by just you're meeting strangers all the time and instead of like getting into your uh, noise canceling headphones, you know, getting into like the faces around you and like you know just getting connected with the people around you. It's I'm, the antidote, it essentially, is the antidote. to what's going on with us. I, I, I very much look at connection as the medicine. And I, I recently, I, you know, I travel a lot. I was in the airport. I was buying something in the, the newspaper or something, and I was in the middle of the transaction, almost about to leave, and recognized that I hadn't even made eye contact with the woman behind the cash register. And I was horrified with myself for that moment. And then thought to myself, you know what? There's so many people who just don't probably see what's in front of them. Like I'm not absolving myself of that responsibility and I, I took the pause and time to connect. But you know, we're disconnected and the disconnection creates dis-ease. Yep. We're, we're dealing with a loneliness epidemic and loneliness creates can, can be as toxic as cigarette smoking. I read that in Psychology Today. as outrageous. Wow. And... The loneliness is probably not a grateful state. Yeah. Um, we're obviously right about to go into Thanksgiving. And <clears throat> it's in a big American holiday. Yeah. Families are gathering around big turkeys and stuffing and food. And, and it's not easy for a lot of people to gather with their nuclear families. And there's a lot of stress involved and a lot of sadness and pain and unexpressed anger and all those things like I mean I, unfortunately that's just the way it is yeah and 
I would want and wish for people to connect with gratitude for the lessons of their home, the lessons of their parents, good and bad, and like walk into the space with thanks, with genuine thanks and with a genuine intention to give. Give yourself the opportunity to give and receive in this holiday. I I love that. I I always tell people I'm really good at Thanksgiving because I do it every Friday night. So it's sort of like a ritual in my life. Every Friday night is essentially Thanksgiving dinner. We pull out all the best things we have and make the best food and surround ourselves with people that we like or don't like. (laughs) We just bring it all together and practice actual gratitude and the oldest practice of gratitude in Jewish tradition is around food. That's that's where it is. So I think it's a, it's a pretty good holiday to restart a practice like this. And I think it's worthy. It's a worthy holiday to restart this practice. So if you're thinking about it's not for you, it's for you. It's totally for you to do this. Use this holiday as a as a as a springboard towards this practice and start it once at least, you know, and let alone more. But certainly when you're traveling and certainly when you're eating dinner and certainly when you're with people, gratitude is only going to allow you to be present about it. It's, I think your point is certainly really deep about like with pain and sorrow and to, you need a certain amount of gratitude to really feel those things and to really let them go all the way without like feeling that you're going to be swallowed by the pain and without it, you know, it could be pretty damning. So to go beyond that and to really and to really get into this practice, got to begin somewhere. And a holiday is the best time, and uh, Shabbat dinner is the best time because they essentially, when it's on a calendar, and you have to. One thing I love about holidays is it's coming whether you like it or not. Shabbat Friday night for me, it's coming whether I like it or not. Which means that at some point, I'm going to have to shift into what's going on around me and not anymore push it off for for what's happening. So it's a natural time to regenerate your your gratitude and uh, and regenerate your own your own feeling of self. The real reason why Judaism loves gratitude and it's been there for thousands of years is because it's very hard to feel yourself in this world. This world is filled with distractions now more than ever before. But there's just basic distractions of you got to eat, you got to survive, you got to just deal with the fact that you're an organism that has a lot more going on than what you want it to do, right? It's almost as if really you're just an animal, but you have a brain that is outside. It's almost like you're looking at yourself all day. And when you look at yourself and you look what's going on, without gratitude to appreciate the, the experience and to be mindful of the nuances and the surrounding elements that allow you to be you, it's very hard to really feel oneself. And without feeling oneself, it's hard to feel unique. If you don't feel unique, it starts squeezing you in all the wrong areas. Or worse, anybody who says anything to you you don't like, you feel like it's assaulting your own existence. So for Jewish people, it's always been like every morning starts with prayers of praise. Every Friday night is about a gratitude-filled dinner. It's always about resetting this connection that I am somebody independent of just the experiences that I'm experiencing every single day. So hence, uh, to me, gratitude is maybe the most important conversation to have with anyone. And only then, then you really start saying, okay, how could I help you now? As a rabbi, like when somebody like that. So I'm wondering as a therapist and as somebody healer, like how do you bring, when do you bring gratitude into the conversation with the person? And like, when is it most helpful? Like, how do you bring that in? It's personal for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I have a, a question as well for you, parents, okay, but I'll, I'll start with, with how do I bring it into my personal work with my, with my clients I'm a big advocate of self-love and I really believe that if people were operating in a place of authentic self-love, the world would look very different. And the reason why we have so much violence in my mind is because people are, are deeply, deeply unwell and deeply unhappy. And I create the space for my clients to cultivate loving relationship with themselves and to interact with the different parts of themselves, especially the ones that present in violent or aggressive ways in a friendly way. So for example, I was actually just with a a client before I, I, I stepped into the session with you, this chat, and she struggles with, um, a lot of vicious self-talk and self-hatred, I would say, 
And, you know, if you are your chief perpetrator, and I would say most people are, then it's very difficult, if not impossible, for someone else to really hurt you. Mm. So understanding and engaging with all the disparate parts inside, including the ones that seem unfriendly, that seem like slave drivers or or brutal. Because if you look and work with them long enough, then you understand that they're there to protect you. You understand that they're loving you. They, in their misguided, funny little way. And, wow. and you can kind of take the power back and like become more of a, of a conscious steward in your own ecosystem. So my whole work is about operating with kindness and gratitude from the inside out. And, and to bring, bring it into your life with, you know, writing it on a paper or bringing it to, you know, a stranger or whatever. But, like, really, really cultivating a loving internal environment. Not so easy to do. No. Well, if you, it, you're essentially saying if a person can really tap in that they love themselves, they don't have time to hate someone else. That's it right. Doesn't, it's, it's, it's independent of that. I'm, I'm, um, when you say authentic, you mean independent in a way. Uh, or am I am I misreading it? Sincere, just so that it's real. There's so much theater. There's so much energy lost in people pleasing and approval seeking, and I'm not interested in that. Beautiful. So, as a as a therapist, as a clinician, I'm interested in all the parts that live inside of each one of us, and cr- like allowing them to speak. There, there's a, a Native American parable which I love, and there's a lot of wisdom in it. And there's a grandfather sitting with his grandson, and the grandfather says, you, everyone's at war with a good wolf and an evil wolf. And the grandson says, well, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one that you feed. So that's true. Like, we, the one that you feed, maybe that's the one that, like, gets to decide. I don't want a hungry, angry wolf. Right. Okay? I'm not, uh, that, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. So I want to create an environment with my clients and the work that I do to listen to all the parts and to give them a voice so that I can make a a good decision around the next action. And gratitude is a a required context for that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think the bad wolf can, can understand gratitude. It's hard to inspire your bad habits you know, it's hard to inspire the negative things that you feel stuck in, but you can you can have gratitude about what you do have, and so much of those negative things start to slowly melt away, and uh, and and just dissipate. So, again, this is all in context of you can't live alone. <laughs> you know, if you could live alone and just be you know somewhere on a mountaintop, and you can have less gratitude. You can decide that. Uh, your love is the feelings you have of being alone. But when you're with other people, you you have to create a practice of knowing yourself in context of what's going on around you. Otherwise, you can lose touch. And maybe then in private, you realize as well the same thing. There's no living alone, really. That doesn't really exist. Right. And in Jewish tradition, there's no monks. There's no celibacy. There's no aloneness because you can't really function as a human being without this togetherness that's needed in the world to move it forward. The bad wolf can't win and the good wolf can't win. They have to find ways to balance out one another. And uh, that's the, that's the body and soul element. You know, it's not like your body is bad or the wolf is bad inherently or your soul is good and and it's good inherently. It's, it's a, it's a partnership and uh, the partnership is only manifest through this presence. We're talking about this gratitude that we're talking about. Totally. And I think that we live in relationship with ourselves. So what is that relationship like? Is it a kind one? Is it nourishing? Does it feel good inside? And there's a spillover. Like like if, if you are loving, you will be loving. And if you're able to feel like the sadness, it will pass more quickly. There's this, uh, King David wrote a Psalm that, is about gratitude in alphabetical order. So it's sort of like going through every day, the whole alphabet and saying like, I'm using all letters to express gratitude on each level. But if you peer beneath the layer, there's like this magic being hidden over there. And that is that who expressed what, like the, 
our first patriarch and matriarch, they used gratitude to express that that uh, behind everything is a much larger energy, that God is gadol, huge, large, big. And like, so their gratitude was always like, this is small, but there's something much bigger behind it. And that that gave people a reassurance that they're not just stuck in their little small scenarios that they are, but they're part of a much larger, beautiful thing. And gratitude doesn't just help you see that, it helps you balance that you're not lost in the larger and you're not stuck in the smaller. It's this balanced approach to help you really get there. So I love that you bring that into your therapy and that you essentially are defining self-love with these gratitude-filled ideas. In the world, self-love just looks like going to a spa and pampering self instead of that. Uh, that's why I was trying to poke at authentic, you know, like like be, what does being sincere mean and how do you really get that so beautifully said and articulated. Thank you. You're That's welcome. awesome. <laughs> um, so, with uh, I've been talking in my last several podcasts about Shabbat and different elements of it because I think that that's the the tool that regulates the system. Whereas the six days of the week are all about like external realities. We have to work. We have to survive. We have to accomplish certain things, and then we have a day where it's just about internal self worth. You just have to be comfortable with your own self, and that's it. You can't do anything about the outside world. We sort of have a pure non exploitive day to just completely like live with the food I have, the friends I invited, the things that come my way. I can't really generate much creatively, other than I can read, I can hang out with my kids, I can have dinner with friends. All those things. It's sort of so binary. And that's the and that's the day of gratitude. Shabbat is all about this comfortability with self, with this internal self worth, and then going back to the week and realizing that it's not a superficial world, but it's a world that lives at the external, so everybody can add a piece to it and everybody can contribute to this experience. That's the Shabbat moment that I'm trying to bring to my community. That's why I think that's the the ritual we should know by. We should be known by is our dinners and our and our and our connection that we all get together over the table that's the at least what we're trying to accomplish here in venice and then inspire it to happen wherever your homes are i had a dinner in jerusalem once with an observant couple much older and they keep all the things all the shabbat all the the kashrut all the the family period all the rules (laughs) and they asked me if if i believed in god and without a any reservation or hesitation, and I said, of course. And, and, and they laughed at me, and they said, what? You believe in God? Like, we don't believe in God. And I said, so what are you doing? What is all of this about? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a big ask doing all these things. Yeah. And they said, it's just good living. And in the world that we live in, so hyper-connected that we're disconnected, Shabbat is such, such a need and, and, and I, I'd like to deepen my personal practice of Shabbat. I, I, I have a lot of work to do there if I really want to like manifest that. But there's such wisdom in the rest and in the allowing what is, participating in the isness without trying to manipulate it or control it, just being with what is. How'd you feel about that couple, though? That's a, that's a wild story. I you, didn't surprise me. It <laughs> didn't surprise you? Well, I, I think it's, uh, I find the story interesting because I think people don't always connect what's going on behind the scenes for people. They see what's at front. And when the front is positive and grateful and mindful, then you're willing to like accept so much of what, uh, the per- so the couple doesn't believe. But here they are creating an environment of, 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 uh, of beautiful nurture in Jerusalem for you to partake in. And I think that there's a lot of negativity in the world. That's not negativity. That's just the beginning for for people to get there because whether they like it or not, gratitude is somewhat divine in its own right because uh, if there's no God whatsoever, there's no real reason to be grateful unless you believe statistically it helps. You know, And ultimately, uh, we've come from a very angry generation. It seems there's a lot of people out there who are spewing lots of hatred and clearly live with that type of uh, unrest and anxiety is a huge issue. So you get outside of that, the old generation would say, just trust in God. But where does trust in God come from? Trust is not belief. Trust comes where I... I've cultivated that when I do certain things, it works out. 
And this couple has a trust that if they create a Friday night table and bring people together, it's going to be a wonderful experience. And to me, that's on the divine side of the argument. That's not on the uh, on the nothing exists and nothing's real side of the table. So, uh, and they said that that Shabbat has taught them to rest. And I don't think that rest is easy for people. We struggle to deal with, uh, I was reading this book this week, they were talking about how for, since ancient civilization, people struggle with their leisure time, <laughs> how to deal with it. So certainly, if you're traveling for Thanksgiving, you need the Thanksgiving, you need the gratitude. Yes. You can't do, you can't do without it. And I have a question for you, Paris. Yeah. So you said that Judaism expresses gratitude with food a lot. Yes. And, you know, all of the women's magazines, and of course we live in a very image-obsessed world, and people worry about the extra food and all the extra yeah. things, and how do you manage your diet, and yeah. how do you, like, stay within certain boundaries of, like, actual health and feeling good. So how does Judaism engage with or speak to like, a healthy diet? So... I think there's like this um, two, two. There's the there's the answer, and then there's the the the, the inspiration, the practice, the inspiration. I think the answer is is that Judaism believes in moderation across the board. Like there's nothing really off limits in Judaism, but there's nothing really like go in indulge fully. Everything is sort of moderation. I'm talking even like spiritual ecstasy, moderation. Um, you know. Um, um, every single solitary part of life has to be in moderation because you have two sides. We spoke a little bit about these two sides. They both need to be fed and they both need to grow. And those sides can't grow without a little bit of everything. Like if you don't feed your body and you starve your body, it's it's not going to help you grow. Um, so there's that balance approach. And and I would say like people, you know, scoff a little bit at balance today. But I, I'm an inspired guy. I had a grandfather who uh, I say uh, I loved saying that. Yes, he was a rabbi for seventy years and had you know a hundred grandkids, great grandkids, and just this huge family that he built. And but what really excites me is that when I went into his closet, I was a teenager and I wanted to borrow a suit from him, and he had like a lot of old suits from way back, and it was like he was the same size suit for like all seventy years of being a rabbi, and I was like, that's something right there. Guy who eats three meals a day, has a snack, uh, um, is up till midnight, gets up at a quarter to six, takes a nap during the day. Like this guy was like a model of consistency and ate on the holidays and ate everything his wife put in front of him and and was and the guy was the same size suit his whole life. And he never had a gym membership, as far you know. Why? It's because in moderation and in consistency, he was a king. It was always doing his schedule at a little better and a little better and asking about how, how, how am I doing and how is it being done better? In other words, he was, I went with him on a three month, a three week journey of giving out matzah. He used to give to everybody he knew matzah between the holiday of Purim and Passover. So he had a month. So for three of the weeks I went with him and every person was nicer and better and greater. He just had so many nice things to say about everybody all day. And we a hundred percent knew he was lying <laughs> for some of those people, but it didn't matter because for him, that's how he goes through his day. He does. He can't go through his day by, he can't like get into the car, drive an hour to meet somebody, and this person's a schmuck. That, no, he has to be a good person, and then it was a worthy experience. And that, to me, was the key of him being the same size suit his whole life, and it all fit into this. So that would be like the practice of Judaism being consistent, having times of prayer, times of eating, ways of doing it. After you eat, you say prayers of gratitude for the food, so the food can digest better. And when you meet somebody, you say good things, so that the experience is a better exchange. That is a lifestyle that I think is the highest level of being Jewish to me. And it's called being a mensch. Being a mensch is not male or female. It means being human. For us, being human means a model of consistency of balancing these two. So that's the first thing I would say is like, that's how you do it. And you're doing it 10 years now. So that's, that's amazing. You're like that. Your, 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 your little Jewish soul is like kicking you. It's like, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, so, and you spread it to everybody. So that's amazing. That's the part one. Okay, cool. Got it. Cool. Got well, I mean, also, I, I, I think about what, uh, what, what is your relationship, what is my relationship with pleasure, mm. right? I think there's, there's a tendency to indulge or deprive. And, and finding balance there would, of course, translate to a table full of food. 
you know, you can you can enjoy the dessert and the wine, and you can enjoy the the matzah and the bread and the challah. By the way, the challah for my <laughs> birthday she bought was next level. Everybody uh, devoured it. Yeah, and the key ingredient love, but Miriam's really got that whole thing down. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> but how do we responsibly indulge in such a way that we're not in some sort of hangover and? So let's let's talk about that. I think this is like moving gratitude to the other side of it. It's not just dealing with the challenges in your life. Let's deal with the good things in your life. I I often think that people don't really take in the good times well. They're you know it's like we're the the challenging times. Even if you don't know how to take them in, they hit you so hard that you have no choice but to deal with it. But the good times. No matter how happy you are, the next morning you wake up and you're like, "Oh well, too fast." You know, kept the. How do you how do you split time you know in half and and really take in the moment? You really need gratitude for that as well. So the only way to have that type of gratitude for good things is to not live with guilt about all the things that are good. Like sometimes, oh, this was too good, or we're too privileged, or we have too much, or and there's got to be a balance to that too. And the balance for that is starting to see that all the things you're attracted to and you desire, you want this food, you want this person, you want that look, all those things you're attracted to are also indicators of the type of person you are and you don't need to feel guilt for those. You just need to learn how to bring consistency and manageability to that. If you see this food and it looks amazing to you but you cannot balance it, meaning like you can't hold yourself in, you can't control it, then it's an indicator that this is not something for you to, to indulge in, but that you could appreciate the, the, the beauty involved. And really learning to trust that all the things that you're attracted to are also in service of the soul. They're there to uncover something deeper is also what gratitude is here for. It's also here to uncover that, that, that narrative that what I'm attracted to is not evil, Jewish people need to learn that every part of their, and share with their friends for that matter. Because I think the core of what I do, I try to talk and, and teach a certain way so Jews have now the information that they could now talk to their friends, Jewish or not, about what their life is. I feel so much it comes down to like, oh, Judaism is this or that. Imagine if we just knew intuitively, every Jew knew that Judaism was learning how to practice gratitude and all of our weird rituals and styles and like that are to give this great larger balance to how we consume food and how we connect with others and how we have to do it on a regular basis and in other words can create a personal engine of consistency within these attractions and with, and sustainability within these and I think if you found like wow I went to a meal and I took a little bit I felt satisfied uh, other people were eating I felt satisfied you could have so much joy that resonates with you and the next day you feel great and it's not this like pressure think about this Thanksgiving holiday where it has all this incredible nuance and then people go and eat and stuff themselves and the next day everybody's running at the gym you know and then but it's like it's it's imbalanced that doesn't create a pattern of success and the whole point of gratitude is ultimately creating a pattern of success in your life and appreciating all these things that are going on it's really built for the good times judaism is really built for goodness it's just we've gone through so much garbage that we we feel like it's a it's a it's a response to they tried to fight us we won let's eat type of mentality instead of like no i'm i'm like an alien on a on a, on a planet, and my job is to uncover that everything here is unique and special, and I can only uncover that through my own unique creative way, and gratitude is the only way to do that. So all of a sudden, when I'm attracted to things, it's really a spiritual calling of how to incorporate that into my life and how to uplift it and expose it for being something unique and beautiful as well. Yeah, we can take that in. I'll take it in. Take it, I'll take it know. in. And well, for me, my my so much of my practice as a yoga teacher as well, and we've been teaching yoga for twenty years, is you know creating a peaceful internal environment. And how do you nourish that internally? And how do you deal? How do you interact with food? You know, food food is a is has been in my personal journey has been a, a loaded thing, mm. and so that's a, a finding balance with that has been challenging at big meals you know it's um and that that's a, a i think an edge that i might have for a long time to work through and to establish like a real pattern of 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 peaceful consumption yeah and and i i think that that's also part of this lineage 
is, you know, overeating, undereating, like where, where were we not given enough food? You know, there's, I, 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 right. it holds our own traumas. It, it does. holds our own narrative. It does. And it also holds our joy yeah. and how we celebrate and how we connect. And, um, that's been something as, as a personal disclosure that I've struggled with. Wow. And so I, I ask about what it says and, and what, you know, I mean, I have rabbis in Jerusalem who tell me, oh yeah, I should stop eating so many falafels, you know, like, <laughs> whatever. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, I identify with the struggle with being <laughs> lifelong trying to always find balance yeah. and, and also uh, learning from the environment I'm in. I found that um, just with food, that I could learn so much from other people. Mm. Like some areas, it's hard for me to learn from people. I live in Venice Beach. It's not easy for me to learn from everyone, everything. But from each person, I could learn something. And I found from food and health and nutrition, I learned so much from people. And uh, certainly when I was in the Bay Area for 12 years, I learned so much about interconnectedness and global connection and data, et cetera, as a tool of like to, to expose society beneath the superficial layer. So many beautiful things you could learn from everyone and food especially, but I would go, I would, I would go even deeper. Like it's not just your relationship with food. It's your, it's really all comes down to relationship with yourself. A hundred percent. Right. That's really, really what it comes down to. I mean, it's not really not about the food. Yeah. I mean, you know? the food is a beautiful offering period. It's there. Beautiful. Thank God. We're it's the Shafa abundant. Yeah. But the individual engagement with it, it is not always very conscious it's not always very present it's not always very kind um or or nourishing well i'll take this a little bit to prayer in jewish tradition we do all of our gratitude after we eat we don't do a whole thing before we do it after there's a whole and thing before come on it's we do blessings which is a meditation okay. connected to like where's the food from what am i doing this for so that's about being very present okay 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 which is which is amazing and uh i have to devote some podcasts just to blessings you know and what those Please. are but but for but for gratitude it's a post eating thing where you do this gratitude and it's also like this historical narrative the first part's about abraham and then isaac and then it goes to moses like about how they have gratitude for the food and there's all these studies talking about how when you're like in happy and joyful mood and you're and you have gratitude the food literally digests better your body literally takes it in better and uh, and that's and that's sort of what that's about is about like not integrating what you're going through better within your life and I want to get back to the point of like Judaism is built for good times. Prayer in Judaism has turned into people ask for stuff. Say a, say a prayer for me. Ask for something, which is a beautiful thing. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is for you to go beneath the surface of yourself and learn to discover what you're made of, like what makes you tick. How do you really deeply go within self and understand what are those nuances? And that's what prayer is supposed to be. You go through all the levels of soul and depth to uncover and this pattern of where am I from? What are the traumas I hold on to? How do I let go of them slowly every single day, a little more and a little more and a little more. And the main parts of Jewish prayer are gratitude filled. That's what they're all about because you have to, they start off with like general gratitude, like the, the olive base, the alphabet. And then it goes into like, there are people with nothing who have lost a parent, who have lost siblings and, and, they, and they have, you know what they have? They have that the world appreciates them and that's why they're here. And you say those prayers. Then you go into even deeper in the workplace, in the galaxies, in the cosmos. It just tries to peel away at the layers of self. And that's what prayer is really all about, is peeling away at these layers to have this flow of positivity. And the way we peel away those players is gratitude. So when I say it, like, and our conversation is really, for me, more than just a modern-day mindful abundance practice. For me, the depth here is like, you can't get in touch with yourself without gratitude. You can't really peel away at your layers without appreciating those layers as well. That's really the the calling here. And that's why you're attracted to things because there's layers within yourself that need to express in many different ways and you can't really analyze them like, do I engage with this? Do I honor this? Do I disengage but understand that that's what's happening around me? All those questions are, are a form of prayer and we've lost a bit of that art and the way we rebuild that art is through these practices of gratitude. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I said at the beginning of the conversation that gratitude is the heart of prayer. And I pray every day. I, some of my prayers are as simple as thank you or help, guide me. I, I ask to be guided into optimal service. Like, where, where can I best be useful? Add value. Yeah. 
And 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 I love saying certain you know Hebrew prayers. I love saying the Shema. I love saying Modani in the morning, knowing that that I'm part of a lineage that's been saying certain like ancient words for ages. Um, but it's 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 gratitude is a key to, to good living. And you know, I, I really believe that the context should always be one of contribution. And in order to really be in that space, like you have to be grateful. Amazing. The our, uh, my first podcast I did was on Modani, and uh, and it still has the most listens. People continuously really? go back to it. So I love that that uh, the conversation of gratitude is there, and it really is the first thing in the morning. You can train yourself in your subconscious that your eyes open, and before you're consciously aware of anything, your first thought could be of being grateful for being alive, and that and how deep that is, and how that connects to like pre Big Bang, pre pre creation. Pre, pre-religion, pre-ritual, pre-whatever you worship or whatever you think is, is worthy, you're something before that. And that is just that I'm a consciousness and I always exist. And that, that, is, that is rejuvenating. That really opens up the core element. I wanted to focus a little more on Shabbat because I've been just doing this week to week and gratitude on Shabbat. And, uh, and, and one of the practices on Shabbos for gratitude, I, I spoke about... Uh, candles and pleasure and challah. We did all these topics to uncover that. But another, another deepening part of, of gratitude on Shabbat is recognizing that Shabbat is like a womb that is able to nurture a child. It's able to have something that can be brought into the world. Shabbat is called the Shabbos queen, like the ultimate feminine power to bring into the world a new energy. And the reason why Shabbat is so important to have gratitude is because you want what's brought into the world to be one that connects to its truest existence without the superficial. It's like nurturing a new thought, a new space, a new, a new connection. So Friday night, the whole concept of bringing in Shabbat on a Friday into Shabbat is that even during your Friday, during your week, you start going into the elements of I'm nurturing something. My name is Parrots. I'm the breacher of the womb, but which which is what that word means. But there's a there's a so I always think about the womb concept like we're we're where we're there. That's our whole world. And that's our whole world. We feel like, but we don't realize we're developing for something else entirely. All of our skills in the womb is is really about going out into the world and being able to handle what's out there in the world for us. So Shabbat is this practice that is about entirely about gratitude in your place in the cosmos. And you could maybe reach all the way to having a relationship with God. I, I don't know. That's so much, maybe too many layers for you to get there. Maybe you're already there. But you certainly know that this practice is for you to develop a new habit that you're nurturing through gratitude and bringing out into the world that'll now be an asset to the universe. The child you bring of yourself isn't always a child. It's often an act of great kindness that you've brought in through these practices. That's my uh, Shabbat rant. I love it. Thanks. I love it. And I, I've been thinking a lot about consciousness. And I mean, Shabbat is the jam. Like, let, let's, let's all get into some Shabbat goodness. Let's, uh, let's, you know, I'm evangelizing my, uh, my priorities. That's really, it's not like these are the programs I want. These are my priorities. My priorities are if there's a good Shabbat experience and a good communal experience, the rest will come from it. So let's uh, let's um, finish off with maybe like some tips and tools for those who really want to get started and having a higher positive experience in life, higher quality. Um, I hope that through this conversation, people realize that both people speaking here are not perfect. They're trying very hard to live this as well. Um, but, you know, having experience with leading people this way and you not only being a therapist, but yourself doing this practice for 10 years. Um, other than let's say somebody says, I'm not keeping a journal, I'm not writing things down, which they should. You have your phone, write it down on your phone if you have to. But what would be uh, uh, some other tips maybe to generate a beginning of gratitude? My, I'm advocating for Shabbos, but you're, give me from the clinical side, what should people do to really get out of their funk and to add gratitude to their life? Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. The speed of life is deadening. And people are running from here to there and not seeing what's in front of them. I don't care if you write it down. Just see what's in front of you. Like, make eye contact. Listen. Notice. Include yourself. Learn to rest in your own goodness and to speak of it. Invite others to do the same. Like, enjoy being here. It's a gift to have a body. 
And I like to say it's like on loan for a short and unpredictable period of time. And you get, you get to have a body, you get to have this experience, like slow down and enjoy it. And, and it, it's the, the slowing down is a disruption. It's, it's disrupting the pattern and, and the ways of being that, that we've all sort of adopted without our own consent in a way. Mm. So, so really like be a revolutionary and, 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 and be, be more than do. I do. It's like be, do, have, be grateful, do good things, have a beautiful life. Spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> What a gift. You know, you, people turn around and they have bad habits. They don't know how they came. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, slow down, be a disruptor. It's like you have to disrupt the bad habits that just came on. Sometimes your bad habits is like you're saying, just not making eye contact. Not treating the person at the store or wherever you are like a full human being. Judgment. All the judgment. Yeah. Slow down. Like this is a person. You're a person. You've got all these amazing qualities. You're also really complicated and like, <laughs> you don't always make sense. It's just like appreciate yourself. That's one thing you know, I, want, I want to close with is, personally is, is I ask people a lot to tell me five things or ten things that they love about themselves. And, and it's so challenging for people to answer that question. They can tell me all day what their problems are. But it's hard for people to know and speak comfortably of their own beauty and excellence and their goodness and learn to rest in it learn to speak of it because when when that's easy for you when what you love immediately includes yourself that's all there is it's just love it's beautiful (laughs) well this is what we want gratitude to result in a conversation ultimately about self-love and the things you love and the goodness Mm -hmm. that you have in your life so and, and with we, others. Yeah, I think we got there. And uh, I, I'm going to revel in being in that moment. We do. That, that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and sharing with us your good vibes and your wisdom. And uh, I highly suggest you follow Lauren's uh, journey. She makes it available. Her, her stories on gratitude are always there. How do we follow you? Well, you can follow me on the gram, lauren.taus, T-A-U-S. My website is inbody.life, I-N-B-O-D-I-E-D.life. Yeah. And yeah, stay connected. And thank you, parents, for having me. What a gift. It's always so, so nourishing to spend time together. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm so glad you're in my community here in Venice. It's a real treat to have Mm -hmm. great people be a part of what we're doing here. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Lauren, for joining us. Thank you, Paladin Studios, for engineering. And I look forward to talking to you after Thanksgiving. I hope you have an amazing, amazing Thanksgiving weekend where you have great practice of joy and gratitude with all the people around you. And uh, just make sure you're the accelerator. You're the one who gets this journey started and hold yourself accountable to be the source of joy and grateful and mindful practices around you during this traveling season. So thanks for tuning in. Drop us a rating and uh, we'll be in touch. Shem Tariti Ali Adi Shem Peh